Jesus as the name that is forever lifted high and will not be overcome. Jesus, Jesus, there is real power in that name. And I think about the things that we lay before us that we tremble at, things that are temporary, things that are created by him, things that he has the preeminence over. And we sit and we tremble before them when we make God small and we make that big. And then God comes along with his word and he pierces our heart and our mind to show us, no, I will have the glory. I am greater and there is more fear and power to be put on my name than on any person, on any circumstance and on anything on this earth. Because one day every knee will bow and every tongue confess And if there were no knees and there were no mouths, the rocks would cry out and recognize that even if we don't. So church, what are you coming here with this morning? What are you facing every day and every night that is tempting you to take God in all of his glory and decrease him to something weak? And taking that that light momentary affliction as Paul puts it and elevating it to this omnipresent, omnipotent all powerful thing let's go to God right now and pray and ask him to help us because we all struggle with that to see him big our precious heavenly father all of us before you recognizing and admitting the weakness in our flesh and the unbelief that comes in and tempts us every day to make people, circumstances, things, the future fear, to make it bigger than you. God, we admit that, we confess that, and we know that there is great patience for us in that. And so God, as we open up your word, as we talk, as we look, you would help us to see you as big. And everything else in its proper place is something you have full, complete, sovereign power over. God, calm our hearts this morning. Direct our attention to you. Pray it all in the precious, precious name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. You know, when we display a topic that we're going to be in, a topic like the topic of fear and anxiety, maybe some of us are tempted to think, well, I don't struggle with that. Or maybe your, your mind is tempted to go to someone else you know of that's maybe chronically anxious. They're always anxious about something. And then we treat this topic as if it's, if it's something that's out there that affects certain people. Maybe we need to change our thinking a little bit different. This affects us all. Because the reality is we live on planet Earth where there is imminent danger constantly. When the reality is our death is inevitable. One day. When the reality is death could be now. When the reality is we could be hurt now. Everything that we have stripped from us now. Tomorrow we don't know what we might face. The reality is we look out and we see evil, evil men and women and chaos in the world. And so the natural response to that is peace. No, the natural response to that is fear and trembling. If you do not know the one who is over all, 
But the reality is also those who do claim to know God and know Christ, who have his promises every single day of their lives, still struggle with these bodies that start to emanate anxious, worry, fear. We deal with it in one way or another. You know your personal struggle. You know where you're at on that scale. It can be debilitating. So here's what we're going to do today. This is going to be different. This is different than normally us getting up and taking a passage and preaching. We're taking a break from Philippians because we want to zero in for two weeks on this topic of fear and anxiety. Because Philippians speaks directly to it. And we just want to hammer this idea that the Bible... And God is here to help us in our times of fear and anxiety. And so we're going to take a little break and we're going to have kind of like a counseling session. That's what today's going to be like. It's going to be a little different. We're going to be answering some questions. We're going to be jumping around to some scripture. But we're going to be tackling this idea of what, how should I be thinking about this? How should I be approaching it? Is there hope for my heart that I feel like when I wake up every day, it's an impossible situation that I can't get out of and I can't stop my mind from racing? Does the Bible speak into this? Absolutely, it does. So, what is fear and anxiety? And so here's what I want us to do this morning. I want us to, in the, uh, the appropriateness of the topic, I want to generate some fear and anxiety. Can I do that? Can I generate some fear and anxiety in some of you? Okay, here we go. Boom. Some of you are laughing. Some of you are like, this is not funny. Get that off the screen right now. Oh! I'm, I'm mesmerized on it. Okay, I'm just kidding. We're done. No more pictures. Boom. Just kidding. Some of you just hate the, hate the heights. You don't want to be in a plane. You don't, want to be, you don't even want to be up here on the stage because that's too far from the ground. And you know what? You know what this picture tells me? That in our youth, we are the most wise we'll ever be. <laughs> that's sarcasm, by the way. Some of us are terrified of dogs. Though a little small, little, maybe what is that, like a chihuahua or a dachshund, still great fear even over the smaller ones who can sometimes do more damage, right? Because you're not looking out for them. You know, they take out that Achilles tendon or something, you know, and you're falling to the ground. How about this one? Some people don't want to go anywhere near this bad boy right here, unless you're Drew Harrison and you're walking around the church on the disc golf course and you find two snakes and so you decide to take both of them Put them in your car until you're done playing disc golf and then realize one is missing and one he found and they both get, they both slither somewhere in your car and what do you do? I've got two snakes in my car. I have no idea where they are. So what do I do? Ah, let's go home. <laughs> I ask him like a week later. I'm like, did you ever find those snakes? He's like, no, nah, they're probably still in my car somewhere. <laughs> Some people don't fear snakes. Some people do. Some people fear crowds. They don't want to be anywhere near it. Seeing this picture causes anxiety. Some people don't want to have anything to do with this right here, me being one of them, seeking the thrill of being underwater where we don't belong with creatures that can destroy us. I admit this is one that bothers me. Man, being in a tight place that you can't get out of, especially underground, terrifying, right? Running out of air. Some of the uh, people in the back were talking like, what's he got a candle for? He's burning up all his oxygen. He's wanting to burn it up so it'll go. Some of us are terrified of this. Okay, men, this next photo may not be a representation of anxiety and fear, but it's going to generate it in your own heart when you see this picture. 
And let's just, let's just, let's just dwell on it for a little bit. <laughs> you see that face? That's the face of despair. <laughs> but every man in this room is immediately getting a headache and immediately being anxious, thinking about just going shopping. Like, check this one. This, this poor guy right here, not only is he waiting, but he's holding everything. Oh, man. You know what the bad situation is? Is being, being in the situation, not having a place to sit down. That's the worst, right, man? Right? It's like, man, really? I got to sit cross-legged on the floor? But, you know, I was thinking, you know, what, maybe women have something. Maybe wives have something that give them a headache and create the same type of experience. And with it being football season, I imagine that this is a lot of the wives kind of like thought process to, to the football season. Right? Whatever it is. Fear and anxiety can be generated by many different things, and we all have we all have our thing. All have our thing. There's a lot more that causes this anxiety that hits a little bit closer to home, you know, having kids. If you don't have kids, you're getting ready to have kids, get ready. You're gonna discover fears you never thought you had. You know, worrying about what could happen to the people who who are closest to us, who we love, knowing that we have responsibility. Knowing that, you know, we, we need finances to generate a normal life and, and those could always be cut or ended or changed and we're getting used to life. And, and, and so we're constantly having scenarios that are popping up and things going wrong that we could potentially sit and dwell on and become debilitated by. And some of us do. So let's get on track here. What is fear and anxiety? Because the two are different, though they go hand in hand. So let's define them real quick. Fear or anxiety is the uneasy, uncomfortable uh, feelings that we have in our body about what could possibly happen. You see that? This is, this is, a, this is a, a physical response to what could happen in the future. And the result of feeling that anxiety is preventative measures, right? right? So we start doing things that we think we could, we could do to prevent the situation. So let me give you an example. Imagine you're going hiking in the hills of, and trails of Montana, and as you're planning for the trip, you realize, wow, there's a lot of grizzly bears in Montana. So I've become anxious thinking that I might run into a bear, so I'm going to carry bear spray with me, right? So the concern or the anxiety leads you to do something to try to prevent it. Now, fear is a little bit different. Fear is the more immediate response to danger, convinced even that what is dreaded is about to happen or is going to happen. And the result of fear is action, right? You, you want to fight, get in it, fix the situation, or you just want to run from it and get away completely. And so when we in our moments of life have anxiety that leads to us just dropping out and running, right? We're, we're being overcome by fear in the moment. And some of us, many of you maybe here understand what I'm talking about. Some of us, there may not even actually be anything there that causes the fear. Our anxiety dwells, dwells. That leads us to this response to where we just want to go back home, lay on our bed and not wake up. Fear, though, is a little bit different. Fear is when you're on the hills and the trails of the Montana mountains and you prepare to see a bear, but then you're actually face-to-face with the sow and the cubs. And so you are now having to either run or use the bear spray. 
right? So these are the things that we are talking about. This is the topic that we're bringing up, and these are the responses that we have to living on planet Earth. So a natural question I think we all want to know is, is my anxiety and my fear sinful? The answer is, it depends. It depends. Godly concern and fear are not sinful. Godly concern and fear are not sinful. Let me give you a quote. Stuart Scott says this. He says, Godly concern is caring about important things for the right reason. It will involve several things. It will involve focus on responsibilities of today, eternal goals, and it will have a concern for others. Let me give you an example from Scripture. Paul is writing, and he is writing to the Corinthians, and he's letting them know about all the pressures that he faces. And so he says this. He says, besides everything else that I'm having to go through, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all of the churches. Hey, you have, you have Paul the Apostle, the one who said, follow me as I follow Christ, who's sitting here admitting to great anxiety and pressure that's on his shoulder. But look at the focus, though. His focus is on others, knowing that others can maybe immature and weaken the faith who are up against Judaizers and who have the enemy constantly trying to deceive them and seeing many fall by the wayside. He has a concern for others, specifically the churches, that leads him to preventative measures, to pray for them, to write a letter and encourage them, to exhort and rebuke and correct them, right? So this godly concern, this right type of concern has led him to do the right things. You could say anything that causes you or any type of concern that leads you to trust God more, depend on Him more, to serve others better, to focus on yourself less, and to do what is right, then, then I would be surprised if you felt conviction over that. Because God has made our bodies in a way that are supposed to respond to certain situations appropriately. It's appropriate, it's appropriate to respond to a grizzly bear in front of you by either fighting or running. I would not recommend run. I'd recommend back up slowly, back up slowly, see, just keep eye contact, right? But, but your fear can be used as a tool that God has made in your body to respond to certain things. Or concern, the right type of concern that plans and prepares. That, you know, when the alarm clock is going off saying you're going to be late for work, you have an emotion inside of you that says, I better hurry or I'm going to be late. That's okay. Because what happens if you don't feel that way? What happens if, if you do something to get rid of all the fear and the anxiety of hovering over a bridge for 400 feet? Then you go out to have fun, and one day you fall and plummet to your death. Because you know what? You're not acting on the natural concern and fear that God's given us to protect us. We all know that, right? So there is a level of concern and fear that we realize is natural, that is good, but we have, to, we have to figure this out properly. Fear and anxiety are sinful when this happens in our life. When our circumstances become bigger than God, when our focus becomes selfish, and when the right and necessary things in life are neglected. And I think if we're being honest, we know in, we know in our life when those moments happen. You know, especially... Whatever the circumstance may be, I remember as, I, as I've been studying this, reading about an example of a, of a mom who experienced some pretty hard anxiety and she would go out 
to get simple groceries. Nothing bad would happen, but she would have a single thought that would come to her mind, and then she would begin to, to, to think about, oh, what about this? And, and, well, I need to get this, and that wasn't on my list, and what if I don't have the money to get that, which then led her down this thought process of thinking that she's going to run out of money, which means she's going to fall apart and not be able to support her family. And she became physically hurt in the moment to the point of even having a panic attack. And what did she do? She left her cart there at the store, ran home, ran into her bedroom and just crawled under their covers and went to sleep because it was just too much. Right? A moment where our thoughts are enslaving us and bringing us down a path that causes us great anxiety and fear. How do we handle this? All of us, don't point your finger at a family member. Don't point your finger at a friend. All of us are constantly up against this. This is what the point of Scripture is. From Genesis to Revelation, God's trying to show us, hey, listen, this fearful world you live in, I'm bigger. Will you trust me? So what does he do? He delivers people out of Egypt, and he takes them in the wilderness to what? To test them. Test them. And in the book of Hebrews, in the New Testament, it reminds us that God tested them and they displayed what? Unbelief. Unbelief. Because God allowed them to be put in hard circumstances to see if they truly believe that he's bigger than those. And he tested their faith. And many of them dropped dead in the wilderness because of their unbelief. And so the author of Hebrews says, See to it that none of you are found within your own heart an unbelieving heart. The same warning is to us. So God's going to let us experience hardship. He's going to let us experience fearful things. Things that naturally we'd be scared of, but at the end of it, the result of it is our focus put on God to trust Him more. Or is our anxiety revealing something different? So now let me ask this question. Why do we become so anxious? This is a prevalent problem in society. And anxiety is talked about even as a medical condition. It's even put on the planes as a medical condition. So let me, let me say this more than likely, more than likely the anxiety that you're experiencing is a spiritual issue. And before, before you think I'm being insensitive, before you think that I'm just trying to say, well, well, you know, all of the emotional things that you're going through, it's just, it's in your mind. Listen, let me, let me give you an example. As I researched and I studied and I look at many different sources, even among the medical world and the secular world, anxiety is prescribed the same way the Bible is going to prescribe the solution for anxiety. They just don't have the scriptures. So let me give you an example. Or let me, let me, let me say this. So there's something called general anxiety disorder, GAD. And you can be diagnosed with GAD if you have the symptoms of being chronically anxious for more than six months, meaning that you have, you have overwhelming anxious thoughts constantly that never go away that are affecting you physically, even to the point of throwing up and not going out and preventing you from doing normal day tasks and those type of things. You can be prescribed and diagno- diagnosed with GAD. But then I was like, okay, so what's the solution for someone who's diagnosed with general anxiety disorder? And you know what? They do have medications like benzos and Xanax are some of the, mo- the most popular ones. But even those who prescribe these things says this is, this, is not, this is not the solution for what's going on. Because ultimately, these medications provide temporary relief, a calming effect to your body. These medications will end up causing you more anxiety and a dependence. And so, you know, you're long term, you'll have a greater issue. So even amongst the... 
psychology world, secular world, medic world, you know what they prescribe as the greater long-term solution for anxiety? I love this. Couldn't believe it. Everywhere I searched, this was the most prescribed solution. They use funny words, so they'll say psychotherapy, but then they'll say this, cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT. That's the greatest solution for someone with anxiety. That sounds kind of, kind of intense, but you know what that simply is? That's basically spending time with someone and helping them think differently and helping training them about how to respond to situations. That's simply all it is. Even in a circumstance where a girl had experienced a trauma early in her life as a little kid, and she had conditioned herself to become so anxious that they took her out of school that she became even an agoraphobic, couldn't even go outside of the house. Do you know what they had to do? They, tried, they started cognitive behavioral therapy. That means someone working with her to help her respond differently in her mind to scenarios, but it wasn't good enough. So you know what they had to then prescribe her? More of it. <laughs> like, no, this girl needs like 24-7 care. So they spent months with her and she began to experience relief from her anxiety. So what is this? Why do I bring this up? Why do I say that? B- because the point I want to make is that Our anxiety more than likely points to a spiritual issue, and the world recognizes this. They just don't know who the true God of the spiritual realm is. And they recognize that this goes beyond just a physical thing, that our our physical response is a symptom of something deeper. And the Bible speaks to this from Genesis to Revelation. There are rare cases where it is a medical issue. Let me give you an example of my own life. Last year in August, I had a procedure to fix my heart of a problem. I had what was called PSVT. My heart had tissue that caused it to go into extreme palpitations. And it had gotten so severe in my life that I couldn't even drink water without my heart rate shooting up to 275, sometimes 300 beats per minute. Some of you remember, I couldn't even preach without it happening multiple times. Some of you actually have the same diagnosis. You know what I'm talking about. But before I knew what it was, do you know what I thought my issue was? I thought I'm just an anxious person. Because you can imagine randomly going through life and minuscule tasks causing this extreme palpitations of your heart, which then would actually make me anxious. And so I concluded, I'm just, I've got a spiritual problem. God, forgive me, forgive me. Until I realized, like, no, I actually do have something wrong with my heart. And so you know what? I went and had the procedure. I got healed of it. And you know what I found out? I'm still an anxious person. I still struggle with fear and anxiety. Every single one of us does. I think, I think there needs to be more room for us to be more patient and loving and kind with our fellow brothers and sisters who have the same weak flesh. God is so patient with us and he's so exhaustive in trying to help us to calm down. He gives us his word. It's almost like in his word, he's like, I know, I know you have fears. I know, I know, I know I sympathize with that, but, but I'm giving you something to show you that there's no need to be fearful. So let's start getting into the spiritual issue. What is my anxiety revealing? What is my anxiety revealing? First and foremost, our anxiety is revealing what we believe about God. Our symptoms of fear and worry are revealing what we really believe about God. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians, he says, And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, 
which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. Why are we called believers? Why? Because we have a belief and a trust that what God has told us is actually true. And what you believe determines what you feel and what you do. For instance, I just bought a wonderful invention that I I don't know why it took me and my wife this long to get it. Anybody have an instant pot? The instant pot is phenomenal. I mean, you can go from like frozen chicken to like food in like 10 minutes. I tell you what, I've never felt so, what's the word I'm looking for? I've never felt so enabled to be lazy. It's great. The instant pot is great. But I was thinking the other day, I have great trust and belief in the technology and the ability of man because I will stand next to this thing and just watch it cook. And then I realized the amount of pressure that's building up in that thing. If that thing were to like go or explode, I would cease to have a torso. I would just be dead. But I stand there with no anxiety. And you know what? Me standing next to that thing and that thing exploding is a greater possibility than just the plane falling out of the sky and destroying my house or my kids dying in their sleep in the middle of the night. Yet I don't get anxious about that. And so because I don't actually believe it's going to happen. And so our, what we believe will manifest itself in what we do and how we feel. And that will reveal actually what we really believe. What is your anxiety revealing about what you believe about God? Is it, is it telling you, man, two things are at war when you're anxious? Let me hear the two things. That God is not all-loving and that God is not all-powerful. Let me say it again. That God is not all-loving and that God is not all-powerful. Or maybe you believe those things, but you don't think they actually apply to you. In my moments when I am letting the circumstances of life drive me crazy, those are the two things that are at war in our mind. Is God all-loving? Yes, because the cross tells us He's all-loving. And is He all-powerful? Yes, because the resurrection tells us He's all-powerful. Secondly, our anxiety is showing us what we most desire. James tells us that each person is tempted when he's lured and enticed by his own desires. We all have them. Then desire when it is conceived gives birth to sin, and sin when it's fully grown brings forth death. He says later in chapter 4, what causes quarrels and fights from among you? Is it not your selfish desires that are warring within you? And so our anxiety is pointing to something that we want that we're not getting. How often is our anxiety an indicator that something is going to interrupt our comfort and we're trying to prevent that? Right? In that moment, that anxiety is very selfishly focused. And then finally this, our anxiety is revealing what we think about. Our anxiety is revealing what we think about. Romans tells us this, Romans 8, verse 5 says, For those who live according to the flesh, they set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. That doesn't sound fun, does it? But to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. Life and peace. You see where I'm going with this? Anxiety reveals what's going on in my mind. Our mind is the center. It's a very powerful thing. And our anxiety, in just about every case, most cases, reveals what's going on in our mind. Finally, brothers, Philippians 
Paul says in Philippians 4, finally, it's towards the end of the book, and he says that because he is writing a letter to them to encourage them and to help them cease from anxiety and fear and using himself as an example of the circumstances he in that God's still using it for greatness. And he's excited and joyful, right? Because his mind is set on something different than the world. He says, finally, brothers, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's just, whatever's pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So what do you believe about God? What do you most desire? And what do you spend your days thinking about? I guarantee you those, those three things right there will help you understand your anxiety a little better. Every single one of us. Here's a, here's a saying for you. Maybe this will help you remember something. Our anxiety speaks louder than our amens. You hear like, Actions are louder than words. Well, in this case, anxiety are louder than amens, right? So sometimes we can deceive ourselves into thinking, why am I so anxious? I believe God this. I believe this. I go to church. I listen. I hear. I read. I study. I amen. I rejoice in the truth. But at the end of the day, I struggle to actually believe these things. And my anxiety proves that. Our anxiety speaks louder than our amens. So... Now that we've gone there, let's take the bridge from our anxiety and let's start to find hope that is actually in God's word. What is the hope that we can find in God's word? Which is why we must go to God's word because if we're talking about changing, if we're talking about something that has been conditioned in our life because we do teach ourselves to be anxious from our childhood, we learn how to respond to circumstances and our natural response has become anxiety in certain situations and we don't know what to do because that's always what we've done and that's our initial response. So how do we experience change? Romans tells us don't be conformed to the world, but be changed by the renewal of your mind. So something has to happen here. This is the central hub of where everything needs to take place to combat anxiety in our life. How do we renew our mind? Well, there's many things you can renew your mind with, but if you're not renewing your mind with God's word... It's not going to help. Now listen, here's an indicator too. If me talking about this right now, holding up God's word and talking about God's word being a solution for anxiety causes you to roll your eyes and like, hey, I need something better than just a verse. You're revealing in that moment what you truly believe. Do you, do you really believe God's word is profitable for every situation in life, for correcting and reproof and instruction and righteousness, righteousness able to mature you? equipped you, make you furly, the, the complete man and woman that you're supposed to be. The, the Bible tells us, God says we've been given all things that pertain to life and godliness. Everything that we need to know about how to live on planet earth and then godliness, how to be devoted to him is found here. And how you approach this for the help with your anxiety will help you also reveal what you believe about this. If it's just like, okay, I'm going to open it up and expect nothing to change. Isn't the whole point of Scripture faith? It is impossible to please God without faith. Impossible. For he who would come to God must first believe that he is God and a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. James says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. James also says you, ha you do not have because you do not ask. And if you do ask, you ask amiss. So we need to go to God's word then to find the hope 
for the fear and the anxiety we experience on a daily basis. And we need our mind changed. But we also need to know in the moment that this is a process and that God is more patient with you than others. And God is more patient with you than you are with yourself. The bridge from anxiety to hope is God's word. Isaiah 26.3 says this, and do you believe this? Isaiah says, you keep him in perfect peace. Oh man, that Jasper, that's, that's what I'm dying for. I just, I want some relief. He says this, you keep him in perfect peace. Whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Turn to Mark chapter 4 with me if you would. Mark chapter 4, I want us to read an event that happened with Jesus. An account most of us, we probably all know it, but let's look at it. Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, then drop down to verse 35. You know, Peter and Jude give us statements that say these things were given as examples to us. God has constructed his word because he wants us to be able to have something that we can look to and see examples and find a reason for faith and a reason to believe. God's not just up in the heavens, uninvolved with us, just telling us to have faith apart from the proof. He's been exhaustive through scripture of his powerful nature, visibility over any circumstance. And he does this in the New Testament to show us Look what happens. Mark chapter 5. He says, On that day, verse 35, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. Jesus makes the plan. The plan is, Hey, we're going to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and the other boats with him, and they're going across um, a great mass of water. And in verse 37, look what happened. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. Now you tell me, is that time for anxiety or is that time for fear? That's time for fear. Because the danger is imminent. Danger is approaching, and every single one of us would feel the natural responses of, wow, this wave is more powerful than I am. This wave could crush me. I'm dead. And look what it says happened. The boat was already filling, verse 38, but he, Jesus, was in the stern asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, here's an example of their fear revealing what they believe about God. They awoke him and they said to him, teacher, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Insert yourself. What's going on in your life? What are you experiencing that causes you to talk to God like that? God, don't you even care about me? You don't even care what I go through. Look what you're letting me go through. Where are you at? You're asleep. Are you sleeping? Look at verse 39. And he awoke. And it says this. He rebuked the wind and he said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. And he said to them, look at his rebuke. 
Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? You see, for Jesus, God of the world, their fear and their response to their fear was an indicator of their faith. And he's saying to them, you have no faith. Let's think about it logically. God of the universe, he makes the plan, says we're going to the other side. The God who, they, who, who they've watched do miracle after miracle up to this point, says we're going across to the other side. And then in the middle, a great storm arises and he's asleep. You would figure at this point, like they'd be able to clue into like, oh, he's doing those little things again. He's trying to test us. No. Immediate. We're going to die. And Jesus is asleep. Come on. Like that's like, that's obviously a test. And they're freaking out. And their conclusion is Jesus doesn't care. Because he's asleep. Why is that our conclusion? Why is that a conclusion in our life when we're going through something and God is allowing us to go through it and seemingly silent on the issue? Why do we conclude, you're not good, God. You don't care about me. You're not all loving. Yeah, you say you are. I lift my hand and say you are. But when it comes to me and my circumstances, I don't really believe that you are because you're letting me go through this. Why is it that our assumption and our conclusion is that he doesn't care instead of Oh, I have nothing to fear because the pilot's not sweating it, neither should I. Imagine being on a plane and flipping out when the pilot's in the front, like just drinking his coffee and having a conversation, just having a good old day, and you're flipping out in the plane. No, no, how the pilot is reacting should be an indicator to you, like, hey, everything's good, right? Got a little turbulence going on, you're just waiting for the pilot to... There's a little turbulence. It's a great weather down in Tallahassee. It's going to be a great day. Anyway, you guys get back to your movie. Thank you very much. And you're just like, okay. Hey, just letting you know everything's still, huh? Okay, good. Jesus is in the boat and he's sleeping. Come on. He ain't sweating it. And the one we're looking to, who's not sweating it, neither should we. Now, listen. I understand me saying that the issues that we face are legitimately terrifying and can be legitimately painful. And God is legitimately patient and kind with you. That's why there are over 300 commands to not be afraid. But here, as I started looking at, I tried to look through as many as I could. Do you know what I found out? The power to not be afraid was never in the command. God just never says, don't be afraid. And he never leaves it at that. You know what he always says? Don't be afraid. Because I'm with you. Or hey, make sure you tell the people to not fear because I'm coming to them and I will rescue them. You see the hope that's given? Always hope. Never just, hey, quit being, quit being anxious. That's not, that's not the heart of God. The heart of God is, no, 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 I care for you deeply. I'm touched with your infirmities and I can sympathize with what you're going through. I've gone through it myself. My own son so don't be afraid. And here, you know what? I, I'm, I'm going to perform miracle after miracle. I'm going to cause this sea storm to arise. I'm, I'm going to cause all of these things to happen. I want to make sure they're recorded down for you so you have that and you have these promises. You just got to get into it and see it and let God change the way you think with truth because they're actually true when God says, don't be afraid. I'm with you. He's with you. 
And in those moments, we are tested. We're tested in what we believe about God. God may be using that to reveal what your desire is. There may be an idol there, an idol of comfort, an idol of pride or something that you're holding on to, and your anxiety is the indicator of that. Or it's an indicator that the way you think every day, thinking and mulling over things that are only going to lead you to a lack of peace. When the Scripture is trying to constantly tell us, man, what you think about is of utmost importance. Think about me. Put your mind on these truths. Think about me. And then look what happened at the end. Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Their response was appropriate. Their fear was taken off the circumstance and put on the one they should fear the most. You know, we, we watch videos of disasters happen, like weather disasters, and they're just so intimidating. We see a great animal, and we see some of these things that cause fear and anxiety in us, and we're tempted to think, like, I don't want to be in that situation. Could you imagine what it was like for some of these men who actually got to stand before God? And, and what is always the description? Like, they fell on their faces dead. <laughs> and, like, Jesus had to, like, lift them up. Like, no, 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 you're not going to die. You're good. Like, imme- like Really? If we can experience fear in life over created things, how powerful and terrifying is the creator? Now, how wonderful is it when that terrifying, all-powerful, Jupiter-putting, Saturn-holding, galaxy-making, universe-sustaining God says, you're my child and I'm with you. Wherever you go, I will bring all things and work them together for good for you always. Nothing can come your way from the enemy or a circumstance that is not part of my plan for you. It is yours. I love you. I'm with you. I'm with you. And he's exhaustive in that. And then we go to bed at night, fretting over things that are mere possibilities. So what needs to take place in our heart? I want to give you three things. Three things I want you to leave here with because I don't want you to feel exhausted. I want you to have hope. Three things I'm going to ask all of us, not just those who struggle with anxiety, all of us. This is all of us. Here's what may, must take place, and it has to take place in your mind. First thing first, what your goal is, your desire. I want to trust God more than I want to stop being anxious. Now, if I gave you the choice, if I give you the choice today, you could have one of the two. You could be free of anxiety, or you could trust God completely. Which would you choose? If you're like, man, give me that anxiety pill. I'm sorry, the key and the road to being free of anxiety is trusting God. You can't have one without the other. So when our goal and our desire is to just find freedom from the symptoms, we're always going to fall short of what actually can help us. Our, our goal and our desire in our heart when we wake up is like, you know what? No, 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 no. My goal is not, not to just change my heart rate and my, how comfortable I am. I want to honor God. with. My, I want to trust him more. And so I'm not going to worry about what's going on in my body. God, I'm just going to look to you and start trusting you every day, knowing that there is patience and there is grace for the weakness of my body and the things that I feel and those triggers. I'm going to focus on trusting you more. Secondly, this, our approach needs to change. I will stop treating my anxiety like a cold and more like a habit. I'll stop treating it like a cold and more like it's not just going to go away instantly. You're going to always struggle with fear and anxiety as long as you're in this body. But you train yourself 
That's why the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation to all men, training us to renounce ungodliness and to live self-control to upright lives in this present age. There's hope right now through the grace of God, hope right now for you to be trained, but there's a process to live self-controlled and upright lives in this present age. That's Titus 2. And then finally this, my hope needs to change. I will allow God's love and power bring me peace and not my own need for control. That's really what we're trying to go. We think if I could just have control and if I could change the circumstance, if I could have the control, then I would experience the comfort and peace that I'm looking for. Another verse in the book of Philippians, which we'll get to. Chapter 4, verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication... With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ. Is that just a cliche, trite saying that, that Paul wrote to just sound good? Or is that actually true? That we, we don't have to be anxious about anything. But how does that come? It comes through prayer. In everything, prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, letting our requests be made known to God. Because he cares for us. I want to get personal with you. Because I want to tell you and give testimony to the work of God in my own life. And my own bout with anxiety and fear. You know, I told you earlier, if you don't have kids yet, wait till you have kids and you'll find out how much fear and anxiety you have. Well, that was really true for me. And we had Avery. We have three girls now. And we had Avery in 2011. From that point till about six months ago. So we're talking about eight years. From that point till about six months ago. I had debilitating experiences of fear and anxiety in the middle of the night. So I'm going to share you my experience. Maybe you can relate in some way or another. Here's what I mean. I'd go to bed. I'd wake up instantly in the middle of the night. And instantly fearful. And always the immediate thought in the middle of the night was, my child is going to die. And I'd go check on her, come back. Check on her, come back. Had a second child, same thing. Third child, same thing. Eight years, almost every night, I just got used to losing about an hour and a half of sleep in the middle of the night and fighting to get back to sleep. Heart rate going crazy, just constant fearful thoughts. Sometimes I'd have to just eat a bowl of cereal just to take my mind off things and get back to sleep. And about six months ago, this was getting to the point in my life where I was like no longer just living with it. God's bringing it out. He's making it to like people are starting to notice, particularly those who I'm close to. And I'm talking with Todd, Pastor Todd. We're just having our normal meeting. And he's like, you know, how things going? He can tell I'm tired. How things going? How things going? And he's prodding. He's doing a good counselor does. He's asking questions. He's trying to get to the heart of things. And I'm not wanting to tell him because let me tell you something. What, was what I was experiencing in the middle of the night, I wanted no one to ever know about because I thought it was weak. And I'd wake up in the mornings and I'd feel f- totally fine. I'd never stress or be anxious like that during the day. It was always at night, so I thought it was my burden to carry in the middle of the night. And so I was isolated for eight years with this until a brother began prodding and poking and bringing me to the point where I started to bring it out. And I, fi- I finally did. I told him, I said, you know, I'm, I get this thing that I struggle with at night. And I tell him, 
So he starts asking more questions. Well, why? What's going on? What are you thinking about? What are you revealing? And he started diving into the depths of my heart that I wanted no man on this planet to touch. And let me tell you what was really going on in my heart. Here's why I wanted to hold it. Because I'm like, I'm a pastor. I can't think this way. I thought every single night when I woke up, God was going to be the one to kill my kids because I wasn't the perfect Christian. I wasn't devoted to him like I needed to be. I wasn't doing what I needed to do completely to the uttermost, and I wasn't perfect. He's going to take my kids. I knew that wasn't true about God. I would have never proclaimed that, but in that moment, I believed it. And in those moments, I believed it. In those darkest moments. Until finally, the relief of someone caring and speaking into my life and showing grace and comfort and praying for me. You know what Todd said? One, he started speaking scripture to my life. He started reassuring the truth to me. But you know what he said? He said, I'm going to start and the rest of the men are going to start praying for you at 2 (laughs) a.m. I lost it. That day, when that thing came to light and was exposed in the light, not the fact that I was anxious, but what I really was believing about God in the moment, when that came to life and it was exposed before brothers and they began praying over it, was the day it ceased. I have never struggled in the middle of the night like that again. Never. Doesn't mean that I haven't woke up and it started, but because of what has been prayed and what brothers have spoken over me is true. I know that in the moment. That's what hits my mind. I don't struggle over it anymore. So something I thought was just a battle that I had to carry and a burden that I would just have to deal with the rest of my life could actually be found victoriously destroyed through the hope of Scripture and the prayers of brothers and sisters. So here's what we're going to do. I know I'm not the only one. If we reached out to you this past week, small group leaders, leaders of the church, we ask you to be ready to come forward and stand at the front. Would you come right now? If that's you, small group leader, leader, maybe you even just feel compelled, I want to pray with someone. You come to the front. can't not do this or at least offer this to you because I know the relief but I also know the struggle maybe you're struggling with a about a fear of anxiety that you keep you keep locked up right and you're trying to deal with it yourself you think you got it you can't be weak you think you got to be strong you can't let anybody know it and deep down in your heart you know what it's revealing what you believe about God I want you to come forward I want you to find someone up here tell them what it is and you let them pray with you that's all I'm asking you come here and you let them pray with you so here here's what I'm gonna do everybody bow your head if you're here bow your head and as the music begins to play this is your opportunity to step forward please come up find someone tell them what it is you need prayer for and let a brother and sister pray with you let God lead you